Hey, hey, hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 68 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Friday, folks. I'm actually recording this right now on Thursday afternoon. Actually, just hit 12 o'clock right now as I'm speaking. So uh, I hope you're having a good day. I hope you're having a good week out there. Uh, my plan for this episode is I'm going to record parts of it now and then parts of it a little bit later tonight after Game 5 of the Giants-Dodgers series and after uh, maybe a little bit more has happened in the sports world, such as the Thursday night football game tonight between the uh, Buccaneers and the Eagles. I'm going to add that in later, I'm, but I'm not going to talk about it as too in-depth. I'm just going to add it in later uh, in post-production. I know it, that's kind of awkward, but that's just how I'm going to do things this week. Uh, because those games are so late, and then I'm going to release this episode on Friday. So I hope you're having a good Friday afternoon, Friday morning, wherever you may be at this point in your day. I hope it's been a productive week. We've got a good podcast for you guys. We're going to talk Major League Baseball playoffs to start. Uh, We're going to break down, unfortunately, both American League series. Uh, Neither went the way that I was hoping it would, so... We have the series from hell coming up in the American League. Uh, we'll talk about that, plus the NL series. The Braves have already clinched their ticket to the NLCS. Um, They're waiting for the winner of tonight's Giants-Dodgers game. Like I said, I will talk about that after the game and add it into the podcast because I'm very much looking forward to Giants, uh, Giants-Dodgers game five tonight in San Francisco. I think it's going to be great. Uh, and, yeah, we'll talk about all that. I'm also going to talk about the John Gruden situation. Uh what a mess this is for not just the Raiders, but for the NFL and for terrible look for John Gruden. I'm going to give my thoughts on that as well. I've never been a huge John Gruden fan, so I think you probably can imagine where my opinion lies on that. Uh, We'll preview week six of the NFL. I know we've kind of uh, been neglecting the NFL these last couple weeks on this podcast, but we are going to do a week six NFL preview, and then we've got the loaded outro for you guys today. I've actually written down several stories that I would like to talk about on today's outro. Uh, So we're going to do, I think it's going to be a shorter episode than normal. I know I say that every week. I say that like literally every week, and we end up going for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on this podcast. But I think this is going to be a shorter, more compact episode than normal. Um... Because there's, you know, I, I were, the NBA starts next week, but we're kind of in like a little bit of a dead period for me personally. The Yankees have been eliminated. In case you needed a reminder about that, uh, the Giants suck. I have really not a whole lot you can say about the Giants. They just suck. Uh, Rangers don't really honestly care at this point. I'm just waiting for the next season to start. Uh, so it's a bit of a dead period for me at this point. Uh, but I am going to also, during the outro, I'm going to talk about some movies and TV shows that I've watched lately. Um, if you've listened to my Ted Lasso podcast, the Hope That Kills You podcast, you've already heard me talk a little bit about Squid Game, but I'm going to go a little bit more in depth on this podcast as well about what I thought about Squid Game during the outro. Uh, yeah, it's just going to be a good episode, guys. I think it's going to be a really good, fun episode of my podcast. Um, it's been a good week so far. Uh, I am back to work at the International Spy Museum, which has been nice. I've only been there two days so far this week, but uh, it's still nice to be back. Um, it's been a readjustment. I'm still wearing the walking boot. I'm hoping to be cleared by my doctor to stop wearing the walking boot, hopefully this upcoming Monday when I see him. Um, 
but uh, it's still a little uncomfortable to be standing for six, seven hours in a row like that. Uh, so I'm hoping that he clears me to not have to wear the boot anymore, and um, then things would be a lot easier. I really miss wearing shoes. Like, I really, really, really miss wearing shoes. I miss going for walks. I miss all that. I really, really do, guys. So I'm hoping the doctor um, clears me to be able to return to shoes. It's been nice to be back at the Spy Museum. It's been good. I, I, I definitely missed it. It felt good to you know, kind of return, because I really enjoyed that job until I got hurt, and then unfortunately the injury just kept me out for so long. You know, I, I feel like a, a player who's been placed on the injured list, or disabled list as they used to call it, and now I, I'm on my way back, so it's good to be back. Uh, I'm still doing work for Sirius. Um, also, um, we're, we're launching a new show on Sirius XMFC, the Soccer Channel. Uh, it's about Fantasy EPL. Uh, I encourage you to check it out. Um, the first episode premiered, well, it's actually going to, we're actually doing it in a couple hours. Uh, it starts at 3 o'clock today on Thursday. So it'll have already happened by the time you hear this. But next Thursday, if you guys want to listen, go check it out. 3 to 4, where it's a fantasy EPL show uh, on Sirius XMFC. I'm, I'm going to be a part of uh, producing that show. So I strongly encourage you guys to check that out as well. Um, and yeah, uh, I, that's pretty much what I've been doing when it comes to work lately. Um, it's been fun. I, I've been enjoying it. So uh, hopefully uh, I, get, I get to do more of it. Uh, but I think I've introduced this podcast long enough now. Uh, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about in today's podcast as well. I, I almost forgot to mention the Kyrie Irving situation as well. We've got to talk about that because that's just gotten completely out of hand. So I'm not going to introduce it any longer. Let's get into We're going to start by talking about the baseball playoffs. Uh, and then we are going to move uh, into the NFL uh, and then the outro. So here we go. All right, guys, I have to be honest. The American League playoffs are done to me. They're over. Honestly, they've been over ever since Glaber flew out to end the game on Tuesday night last week in the wildcard game at Fenway. American League Baseball for me is over. I did not watch a second of the Red Sox-Rays series. Did not really watch a second of the White Sox-Astros series either, honestly. And now, it's all culminated with this series from hell, if you're a Yankees fan. The Red Sox versus the Astros in the ALCS. Just great. I love it. I'm so happy these two teams are playing, guys. I'm so excited. If you can't tell, I'm being sarcastic. I hate these teams. I hate that it is the Red Sox-Astros ALCS. I, I hate that it has come to this. But unfortunately, one of these two teams that I just absolutely can't stand will be representing the American League in the World Series. Um... As I said, I didn't really watch a whole lot of the Red Sox-Rays series, uh, but I do know about the controversy in Game 3 at Fenway on the ground rule double. I mean, look, that's just the rule, folks. That's just how it is. It, I mean, it, it hit off the wall, and then it hit off the play. Was it Renfro, the right fielder? I don't know. I don't care. But it hit off him. Uh, that's the rule. That's a ground rule double. What do, you, what, what do you people expect it to be called? A home run? Uh, no, it's, it's a ground rule double. Like, clearly, it hit off the wall. It didn't go over the wall. It hit off the wall. So, Rays fans, 
all five of them are all all mad about this non-call. I'm like, what do you expect? That's the rules. And it really hurt the Rays. I, it reminded me, I've seen a lot of comparisons over the last couple days. It reminded me of that ball Tony Clark hit in the 2004, 2004 ALCS against the Red Sox, which, you know, could have been a run-scoring double, but instead it was a ground rule double. It was very similar to that. Red Sox went on to win that game. Red Sox went on to win this game with the ground rule double. It wasn't that controversial, honestly. I, or that's just the rule. I mean, then the Red Sox go on to win. Vasquez, Christian Vasquez, it's a walk-off home run. And then uh, the next night, the Rays, or excuse me, the Red Sox had a 5 nothing lead in that game. The Rays come all the way back, tie it, and then the Red Sox win. I believe Kike Hernandez hit a sacrifice fly to win the game. I don't know. I didn't watch a second of this, guys. Like, I'm sorry if I'm being inaccurate, but... I didn't watch a second of this series, so I don't really care, honestly. I, all I saw were the highlights. Um, and that sent the Red Sox to the ALCS. Nice job, Tampa. Way to go. Won 100 games, only to lose to the Red Sox, who came into this season rebuilding. And yet here they are, four wins away from another World Series appearance. Oh, my God. Like, I, I don't understand, like, I, from a Yankee fan perspective, why doesn't this make the Steinbrenners angry? If the Red Sox beat the Astros, this will be their fifth World Series appearance since 2004. And they've won the previous four. How can you be okay with this? How can you be sitting on your hands and thinking that bringing Aaron Boone back would be a good idea? There's been a lot, I, I, I now to get into the Yankees for a second... There's been a lot of talk in the media this week about bringing Aaron Boone back. It appears to be the way the Yankees are leaning, which I don't understand at all. Personally, I don't even really believe these ESPN reports that are saying they're bringing Aaron Boone back because ESPN loves Aaron Boone. He used to work for them. He's really good friends with Buster Olney and Jeff Passan and all those guys. So, of course, ESPN wants Aaron Boone to come back and to have a job. So, of course, they're feeding all this information. How can the Steinbrenners be okay with the Red Sox going to the World Series for the fifth time since 2004. If it happens. If it happens. I would not be okay with it. I'm not okay with it as a fan. These are your arch rivals. And they're lapping the field with you once again. Get to work, Steinbrenners. You have a lot of work to do. Get to work. And in um, in the other series, the Astros Rays series or Astros White Sox series, excuse me, uh, that really wasn't much of a series. I know there was a little bit of drama uh, involving uh, Ryan Tapera, the, uh, the reliever for the White Sox. He he basically called the Astros out, and said, you know, th- this team has been accused of doing shady stuff in the past, which they have. They're cheaters. And, uh, you know, Carlos Correa said, you know, those are, those are baseless comments. You know, how can you even say something ridiculous like that? And the Astros pretty much just dominated this series, with the exception of Game 3, where the White Sox won pretty easily. Um, that was the only ch- – and the White, then the Astros just completely crushed the White Sox in Game 4, left no doubt 10-1 final score in that Game 4 clincher. And so they're going to the ALCS. The Astros' fifth straight appearance – in the ALCS, absolutely crazy. I don't really count last season, but it is, technically speaking, their fifth straight appearance in the ALCS. So, 
they're doing something right, I guess, in Houston. I don't know. They got really good cameras and trash cans down there in Houston, I swear. But, um, they, I look, I, I, I can make jokes all I want. The Astros have been in this spot before. They know how to be in this spot. I, five straight ALCS appearances is just absolutely crazy. I know they haven't won all those ALCS appearances, but that just shows you how much of a force they've been in the American League for the last five, six, seven years or so. So, I, I as much as I hate them too, I I, have, I mean, look, people. I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, they're going to root for the Astros or they're going to root for the Red Sox in the ALCS. Just don't watch, guys. If you're a Yankee fan, don't watch this series. Uh, find better ways to spend your time. I, there, there's a lot better ways you can spend your time than watching the Red Sox play the Astros. Go for a walk. Watch another sport. Watch the NL series. Watch Squid Game on Netflix or something like that. I don't know. Don't watch this series if you're a Yankees fan. Don't torture yourself like that. Like, I, I, I don't see how you can do it to yourself, honestly. I am not going to watch a second of the Red Sox-Astros ALCS. I'm not even going to give you a prediction on it. I don't care who wins. I am not a fan of either team. And I, I, if there were a way for both of them to lose, I'd wish for both of them to lose, honestly. But that's not possible. One of these two teams will be representing the American League in the World Series. And as much as that sucks, as much as that pains me to say, it is reality. So we'll see who wins that series. Um, I expect it to be a really close... I, I, I look, anytime the Red Sox get into... It doesn't matter with this freaking team. The faces change. Year to year for the Red Sox team. Uh, Players come and go. They still find a way to win in October. Uh, Honestly, this is just like the worst series ever. Uh, I I, I have no interest at all in this ALCS. Um, I guess if I had to choose between the two, I I guess it's the Astros because they're not in the same division as the Yankees. The Red Sox are. But even then, that's hard. It really is. Yeah, I, you guys know how much I hate the Astros. I can't stand those guys. They're, they're cheaters. So it's a tough spot, honestly. It really is. Um, but I will stand by my word. I will not watch a second of this series. I even said on Instagram I would watch a TikTok video before I watch a second of this series. And I mean that, honestly. You guys know how much I hate TikTok. I would, I would watch a TikTok video before I watch, like, a minute of this Red Sox Astros ALCS. So I think I made it clear my my opinions on this series. Uh, I I don't really have an opinion on this series. I, I hope it ends quick and uh, we just get this over with. Uh, as far as the NL goes, um, I already mentioned that I'm going to add in uh, my thoughts on Game Five between the Giants and the Dodgers later tonight. Uh, the Brewers and Braves series was really good too. Um, in Game 3, Atlanta got a three-run home run from Jock Peterson uh, that essentially gave them the win. Uh, Jocktober strikes again. Um, and then before Game 4, they get the really bad news that Jorge Soler, who's been a really great player for the Braves, uh, excuse me, tested positive for COVID. Um, so he was out for that game. And um, that game came down to the wire. It was tied 4-4 going into the eighth inning. 
And uh, Freddie Freeman came up rating MVP again, 2020. I don't really count that as a legitimate season personally, but a lot of people, I mean, he did win the MVP for that 2020 season. Um, he comes, he, but and, and he's a great player regardless. I, I don't mean to take shots at take shots at Freddie Freeman. He's a great player, great ambassador for the game as well. And he comes up against Hader, who Josh Hader's been one of the best closers in all of baseball this entire season. Josh Hader's been phenomenal, and um, Free he comes up against Freeman, and Freeman hits an opposite field bomb home run to give the Braves the lead. Will Smith closes it out in the ninth inning, and the Braves. For the second straight year, again, 2020, weird season, advanced to the NLCS. So Atlanta is in the NLCS, which is impressive in my opinion, because Atlanta comes from a really bad division. They lost their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr., to a crippling season-ending injury earlier this year. And Atlanta is back in the NLCS despite all that. They made the right moves, trading for Soler and Adam Duvall at the trade deadline, and the Braves are are right back where they started from. They are in the NLCS. And who will they play? In uh, Just one post-mortem on the Brewers. Also, tough to see their season end. I enjoyed watching Milwaukee at times this season. They're an exciting, young, fun team led by Yelich and, all, and uh, players like that and uh, Rowdy Telez. I like those guys. Uh, I think they'll be back next year in the NL Central. It just sucks to see them eliminated this early. Um... But the Braves just proved to be a better team. Uh, unfortunately, I think whoever wins this game tonight between the Giants and the Dodgers uh, is going to win that series no matter what. Uh, I think this is essentially the NLCS Game 7 tonight uh, between the Giants and the Dodgers. Uh, I think these are the two best teams clearly in the NL, arguably in all of baseball. And uh, this series has been phenomenal. Giants won the first game fairly easily. Dodgers won the first game, second game, excuse me, fairly easily. The third game was nuts. A lot of great defensive play from the San Francisco Giants. That, that play by Crawford was outstanding. And then in the ninth inning, I thought that ball by Gavin Lux was out. But the wind in, in um, I, you'd expect it to be San Francisco to have all the wind, but it was windy as hell in L.A. that night. And uh, it kept the ball in the ballpark just long enough, and the Giants escape with a one nothing win. Evan Longoria hits the big home run. The only run of the game for the San Francisco Giants in that game came off the bat of Evan Longoria in a one nothing win. Uh, but the Dodgers bounced back strong. I thought Bueller set the tone nice with four and a third really strong innings, and the bullpen did the job from there. Uh, Gi- uh, Di- uh, ah, yeah, can't speak today. Dodgers offense showed up in a big-time way in Game 4 as well. They were able to get a 7-2 fairly easy victory, and that sets up tonight's Game game 5 in San Francisco. Like I said, these are the two best teams in the NL, arguably in all of baseball. So, the starting pitchers for tonight's game, it's Brandon, or it's not Brandon Webb. Uh, what's his, Brandon Webb used to pitch for the Diamondbacks. It's Logan Webb for the San Francisco Giants, who was really good in Game One of this series, uh, giving the Giants a one nothing lead. And Julio Arias, who was really good in Game Two of this series, will pitch for the Dodgers. Um, I think it's all hands on deck for both teams. Um, obviously, I'm going to record a little post post game segment after this game tonight. Um, but I would not be surprised at all if Max Scherzer. Uh, 
pitches in this game. I've I've heard him say that he I've heard reports say that he he's went to uh, Dave Roberts and said give me the ball at some point during tonight's game. Um, but I predicted the Dodgers to win this series at the start of it, and I'm going to stand by that. I'm going. I still think the Dodgers are going to win tonight. Um, I could be wrong. I probably will be wrong. I mean, that's that's just how it goes. The teams have been trading wins so far in the series. Now it's San Francisco's turn. So I think I, I I would not be surprised if San Francisco won, but I have to stick with my original prediction since it's still a possibility. Uh, what a great series this has been. This has been good for the sport. The only thing I wish is that it wasn't on at – I wish the game didn't start at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. I get that it's a West Coast series involving two West Coast teams. I just wish that it would start maybe at 8 p.m. would be a little bit better. 5 o'clock first pitch time in San Francisco. Uh, I think that would be a little bit better, but um, I'm just gonna put I'm gonna put this on pause here, um, and we're gonna come back to this tonight after Game Five has been played. I'm really looking forward to watching Game Five of the series tonight. This has been without a doubt the best playoff series so far. Uh, again, I am not going to watch any American League baseball for the rest of the season. We are strictly, 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 strictly an NL baseball only household. From here on out, I guess I'll watch the World Series, but still, I, I, I we're only gonna watch the NLCS and the this Game Five tonight in my house until the World Series. So that's just my thoughts on the first couple series. We'll be back in a couple seconds to talk about Game Five, which happens tonight against uh, the San Francisco Giants and the LA Dodgers. Stay tuned. All right, Game Five of the National League Divisional Series between the Giants and the Dodgers is over. The Dodgers won 2-1 to one to move on to the NLCS once again for like, I don't know, I, the Do- it feels like the Dodgers are in the NLCS pretty much every year. A great game, a great series, a tough, tough ending, a uh, tough way for the Giants season to end like that uh, on a very questionable check swing call on Wilmer Flores. I thought that was, I mean, we'll get to that in a second, but this was a really great game, a really great series. Um, this was good for baseball. The two best teams in baseball going head to head like this, definitely good for the sport, in my opinion. Uh, I, I, I mean, these were clearly the two best teams in baseball all season. The only thing I wish is that this was during the NLCS or a best of seven game series, then they could have been playing for forever. But uh, I'm glad this series happened. I'm glad this was the only series to go five games. It, it felt like this was the best series from the start. And we were rewarded with a great game five. So um, I was shocked. I was sitting at home yesterday uh, just just checking Twitter. And I saw that Corey Nebel, Nebel, Kniebel, Kniebel, I don't know. Corey Nebel, I think it's Nebel, I think his name is, uh, was going to start for the Dodgers. And not Julio Urias, which I was shocked by. I was like, you have a 20-game winner in Urias. He's been a beast all season. He's been a beast for you ever since you called him up. Why aren't you starting Urias? That just sounds completely ridiculous to me. Uh, To go with an opener strategy in a winner-take-all game is completely, just sounded dumb to me. It's it's reminded me a lot of what the Yankees did during the playoffs last year when they started Davey Garcia and backed him up with Jay Happ, which was a disaster. But this actually ended up working out for the Dodgers. Unlike the Yankees, the Dodgers actually have some quality pitchers. Um... 
Nebel, Nebel, whatever. I don't, I don't care. He pitched a, he pitched a scoreless inning. Brewster Gratterall pitched a scoreless inning, and then they went to Urias, who pitched four innings, only giving up the one run on the home run to Ruff. Uh, so Urias did his job um, coming out of the bullpen. I still would have started him. I think they they have to start him in the next round as well. Um, but this was a really close game. The Dodgers took the lead in the top of the sixth inning on an RBI double from Corey Seager, who I've mentioned already. A lot of Yankee fans want them to sign Corey Seager. Uh, he's a hell of a player. I, would, I wouldn't be opposed to them bringing him in. He's a hell of a player. He's been on a winning ball club for a really long time now. He's, he's really quite talented. Uh, he drives home the first run of the game, bringing home Mookie. Uh, that makes it one nothing. But like I said, Ruff answered with a home run off Urias in the bottom of the sixth inning to make it 1-1. Uh, Ruff uh, is a pretty solid player in, in his own right. I think he's bounced around a little bit in his career, but he's really found a spot with this Giants team and really broken out this season. This was the longest home run hit of the entire postseason so far. 455 feet, made it a 1-1 game. And it would stay 1-1 until the ninth inning when the Giants had two runners on with two outs and Cody Bellinger, who has been struggling all season. I mean, Bellinger was the MVP in 2019. And that wasn't too long ago, but here he is having a really rough season. If I'm not mistaken, he's batting like 7th or 8th in the Dodgers batting order. Uh, yeah, he's way down there. He's batting 7th in the Dodgers batting order. But Bellinger comes through with... What many people are saying is the biggest hit of his career so far. I would I would have to agree with them. Uh, an RBI single uh, to make it two one, and then they turn things over to Scherzer. Um, I saw the video. Uh, people were posting Scherzer was going out to the bullpen. Of course, he was going to be used. Uh, if they wouldn't send him out to the bullpen if he wasn't going to be used. Uh, he gets uh, the runner reaches on the error by Turner, uh, but Scherzer retires everybody other than that, including. The controversial last out of the game. Um, look, um, I thought Flores went around. Or, I'm sorry, I, I'm speak, so I didn't think Flores went around. Excuse me. I thought he clearly held up in time. Um, but they, they appealed down to the first base umpire, and it was determined that he, he'd swung. I, I, I mean, it was the first base umpire's name is Gabe Morales. Uh, I thought it was a very tough call, a very tough call, especially for... The end of a series, an end of a series that has been this good. That's how you want to end it with a questionable strike three call like that, or when he clearly didn't go around. This is something that I think should be reviewable in Major League Baseball, in my opinion. I think we should be able to review check swings like this because this was unacceptable. The Giants won 108 games this year. It was a historic regular season for them. One of the probably the best regular season they've ever had. And this is how it ends on a check swing that wasn't a swing to your arch rivals like that. Now, Wilmer Flores is an okay player. I don't know if he would have gotten a hit after this, but I, I still think you can't, in, in a game this close, in a game this big, I mean, this is essentially NLCS Game 7 right here. I, you can't call that, in my opinion. You, that, that you cannot call that. Gabe Morales is, is gonna. It's gonna be tough for him in San Francisco moving forward. If he ever has to work another game there, uh, it's not gonna be. Ho it's not gonna be comfortable for him if he ever has to work another game in San Francisco. Uh, but Scherzer gets credited with the save. Like I said, Dodgers win two one. They move on to the NLCS once again. I mean, they just they've 
been in the NLCS pretty much every year since like 2013, 2014, it feels like. Um, the Dodgers are there just about every year. So they're an incredible franchise. And again, my heart just goes out to the Giants. Like it really does. Like that is such a tough way for your season to end on a quest. It's, it's such a good game. This was an incredible, incredible baseball game. Incredible series. But to end on a call like that, ah, that is rough. That is really rough. I am sorry, Giants fans. I am sorry it had to end like that. So now we turn to the ALCS and the NLCS. I've already mentioned how I don't really care about the ALCS, and I stand by that. I, I don't, you know, I really don't like either team, so I'm not going to watch much of the series, if any of this series, probably none of it, to be honest. Uh, but as far as the NLCS goes, uh, I think the Dodgers, I mean, they know how to beat the Braves. They beat them last year uh, in, in the 60-game season in the NLCS. So these two teams are familiar with each other. They've played in the playoffs before. Um, I think, it, I gotta say, I think it's complete bullshit that the Braves have home field advantage in this series. They won like 85 games or something. And the Dodgers won 106 or 107, however many it was. And the Braves have home field just because they won their division, their terrible, crappy division with the Phillies, the Mets, the Marlins, and the Nationals. You're really going to reward them with home field advantage when the Dodgers had to go through the tough-as-hell NL West. Really? Really? I, I don't really like that, personally. Uh, I don't think that's fair to the Dodgers. I, if I were a Dodgers fan, I'd be pissed about it, but I think that's something baseball should look into as well. They should look into reviewing these check swings like 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 last night. And they should look into changing this home field advantage rule because there's no way the Dodgers shouldn't have home field advantage in this series. Uh, but I think the Braves can get off to a decent start. I mean, we don't even know who's starting game one for the Dodgers yet. Uh, let's see MLB. MLB hasn't, neither team has a named a starter for game one of the series yet. But Max Scherzer just pitched last night. Walker Bueller pitched game four. Uh, you'd be bringing Bueller back on really short rest. Kershaw's out. Urias pitched in game five as well. So I don't know who's going to start this game for the Dodgers. Uh, it's it's gonna we'll we'll see who it's going to be. That could give Atlanta a bit of a head start, but I mean that doesn't matter. We've seen Atlanta sports teams get head starts before, and they've blown it in the past. So uh, I I don't think that really matters. I really don't trust the Braves in this series. I, I could be wrong, but I really think the Dodgers are going to take care of business in either five or six games in this series. I think they're clearly the better team. And as much as I've said I won't watch the ALCS, and I stand by that, I, I got to say the idea of an Astros-Dodgers World Series is appealing to me. I got to say. I know now that I've, I've spoken it out, into the great wide open, it's probably going to be uh, Red Sox versus Braves. But an Astros-Dodgers World Series would be a lot of fun. Uh, honestly, Red Sox-Dodgers would be interesting too because uh, that would be Mookie against his former team, the team that traded him, just literally dumped him away. And um, I'm sorry, I know Verdugo's a good player, but, I mean, it's Mookie freaking bets. Come on. Um, and, and so that would be interesting too, I guess. But I think Dodgers-Astros would be probably the most interesting series of the remaining matchups, honestly. Uh, for the, I mean, the Astros-Dodgers fans, much like Yankee fans, feel like they were cheated out of winning the World Series in 2017 when the, the Astros beat the Dodgers. And it was a great series. I, th I mean, at the time, I thought this was a great World Series. But, 
you know, when it came out that the Astros cheated, I'm, I don't remember that World Series as fondly as I as I do now. But uh, Dodgers fans have legitimate beef with the Astros. Uh, we saw when the Astros came back to Dodger Stadium earlier this summer how much the fans were ready for that. They were in full voice, full. Of, they were a lot of booing, a lot of trash cans. Uh, I think that is the most appealing matchup in the World Series, possibly. I, if it's Red Sox-Braves, I'm not going to watch a second of that. Uh, but if it's Dodgers-Astros, I might uh, I might watch the whole damn thing, honestly. I, I would love to see those crowds in L.A. They're going to hate on the Astros so hard. Uh, I bet the, the Astros would have home field advantage for that series, too, because they won their division and the Dodgers didn't, which is stupid. But... Either way, uh, I think this uh, that's the best matchup uh, of the World Series uh, p- potentially. Um, I, I, I it just uh, I mean I hope it's not the Red Sox as a Yankee fan, and I, I I don't I'm not in love with the idea of the Astros being in the World Series either. But if I had to choose a matchup, I would choose Dodgers Astros. That would be the one I would want to see. Uh, I really don't think the Braves can match up to the Dodgers, especially if Jorge Soler is out. Um, but they're going to have to take advantage of the fact that the Dodgers are tired, that this was basically a, a battle with the Giants that came down to the very last pitch, um, and they're, they're going to be exhausted. So we'll see how the Dodgers respond. Game one of that series is Saturday night. Uh, it's at 8.07 on TBS. Game one of the ALCS is today, Friday, at 8 o'clock, uh, if you're interested. Uh, hopefully you're not, <laughs> honestly. But um, that, that is when the ALCS starts. Uh, the Yankees' tea time is at 10 o'clock. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, oh, man. Uh, I mean, I, I, you, you, so, funny story. I'm recording this segment of the podcast on, on Friday morning. Um, but I had already recorded pretty much the rest of the podcast. So you guys will get to hear my instant reaction to Phil Nevin and Marcus Timms being fired in the outro, because that news broke while I was recording the outro yesterday. So stay tuned for that. Um, other than that, uh, this, is, this has been your MLB playoff recap. Uh, let's move into a little NFL talk. All right, we're going to preview week six of the NFL season. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the big story happening in the NFL this week before we get to that. Uh, that would be the John Gruden situation with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, for those of you who don't know by now, John Gruden has stepped down as head coach of the Raiders following a bunch of really horrible uh, emails uh, that have come out. Um, just He says some really messed up stuff. I have an article here from the New York Times that I'm going to read to you now. Um, it goes into more details of the whole case. Uh, John Gruden stepped down Monday as the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders football team, hours after the New York Times detailed emails in which he had made homophobic and misogynistic remarks following an earlier report of racist statements about a union leader. His resignation was a striking departure from the football league for a coach who had won a Super Bowl, been a marquee analyst on ESPN, and returned to the NFL in 2018 to lead the resurgent Raiders which he had coached years before. I have resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, he said on Twitter in a statement issued by the team. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt anyone. Fuck you. 
Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, said in a statement that he accepted the resignation. Rich Bisakia? Bisakia? I don't know. The Raiders special team coordinator was elevated to interim head coach, the team said. Gruden's departure came after a New York Times report that NFL officials, as part of a separate workplace misconduct investigation, did not directly involve him that found that Gruden had casually and frequently unleashed misogynistic and homophobic language over several years to denigrate people around the league um, and to mock some of the league's momentous changes. He denounced the emergence of women as referees, the drafting of a gay player, and the tolerance of players protesting during the playing of the national anthem, according to emails reviewed by the Times. Gruden's messages were sent to Bruce Allen, the former president of the Washington football team, and others, while he was working for ESPN as a color analyst during Monday Night Football. In the emails, Gruden called the league's commissioner, Roger Goodell, not saying that, and a clueless anti-football pussy. Wow. Oh, man, that's bad. And say, said that Goodell should not have pressured Jeff Fisher, that the coach of the Ram, then the coach of the Rams, to draft quote <sighs> queers, a reference to Michael Sam, a gay player chosen by the team in 2014. In numerous emails given during a seven-year period ending in early 2018, Gruden criticized Goodell and the league for trying to reduce concussions and said that Eric Reed, a player who had demonstrated, demonstrated during the playing of the National Anthem, should be fired. In several instances, Gruden used a homophobic slur to refer to Goodell and offensive language to describe NFL owners, coaches, and journalists who cover the league. Gruden, Allen, the NFL, and the Raiders did not respond to requests for time requests for comments. Although not with the team at the time, Gruden was still influential in the league and highly coveted as a coach. He had won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers following the 20, 2002 season, and in 2018 he was hired for a second stint as head coach of the Raiders franchise, which includes defensive lineman Carl Nassib, the first actively NFL player to publicly declare that he is gay. Um, I'll stop there. Um, there's a lot to this story, um, but I'm glad that we are getting rid of people like John Gruden from this league. I'm glad this was exposed. Uh, John Gruden is a clown. I've always maintained that John Gruden is a clown, honestly. If you go back, I even posted this on Facebook. I'll even read you the Facebook status. I posted in 2018 saying John Gruden is a clown. Hang on, hang on. Let me go to my Facebook. I, I pulled this up a couple days ago. Uh, on September 1st, 2018, I posted on Facebook, Hot take time. John Gruden might be the most overrated coach in any sport ever. Yeah, he won the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, but he only won because he played his old team and they didn't change a single play from when he was their head coach. Plus, Tony Dungy helped develop that Tampa Bay team into what they were. Then on top of that, he leaves coaching for almost a decade and somehow... Being an analyst on Monday Night Football and starring in Hooters commercials makes him worthy of a 10-year, $100 million team contract and total team control. John Gruden is a carnival barker. He is a clown. He is a sir. He tells you a bunch of crap and he expects you to believe it. He is a complete fraud, in my opinion. I've always thought John Gruden is a fraud. I'm glad he was. This was exposed. I'm sorry to my friends who are Ravens fans who had to deal with. This news being broken during your incredible comeback win against the Colts on Monday night. But John Gruden is an asshole. Less John Gruden's in the league, the better. 
Uh, I'm glad he has resigned very quickly. I doubt he'll ever get a job in the NFL again after this. The Buccaneers also acted quickly too, so credit to them. They removed him from their ring of honor. It is like John Gruden never, ever, ever was a part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization, and I absolutely love it because Tony Dungy is the one who deserves the credit for building that team into a Super Bowl winner. He built them up, and then he got unceremoniously fired. They brought in John Gruden, and John Gruden finished the job that Tony Dungy started. And every Bucs fan knows that. Every NFL fan knows that. John Gruden is a clown. And I'm glad he's gone. You know, folks, I actually didn't, last week I didn't comment on the Urban Meyer situation when he got caught, was dancing with a, a younger girl at a bar. Uh, I thought Urban Meyer should have been fired for that too, honestly. Uh, I don't know why I didn't comment on that last week, uh, because that was the big story last week. Uh, but I thought Urban Meyer should have been definitely fired for that, and, and yet they stuck with him. This is obviously much, much worse, honestly. John, what John Gruden did, saying all these horrible things, these horrible homophobic and disgusting things. He's disgusting. He disgusted himself with that talk. And I hope this investigation leads to more downfalls. Um, we're going to talk in the outro about a Washington football team story, but um, this story, this investigation does involve the Washington football team, so I wonder what people will find there with WFT. I hope it's good. I really do, because... I'm sick of Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder is awful. I want him to be forced to sell the Washington football team. So I hope this investigation finds out more and we get rid of these jerks, these pieces of shit. I am sick of these assholes. So I I hope they go. Goodbye, John Gruden. Good riddance. Hope you never come back to the NFL. Um, Carl Nassib said he was really shook by what, what had happened. He needed a personal day. Uh, to the people who are giving him crap on Twitter for taking a personal day. Carl Nassib is gay, and he just saw that his head coach made all these homophobic and horrible statements. I mean, would you be comfortable with that? I sure as hell wouldn't. I would need a personal day maybe too to recover from that. Derek Carr was shocked by it. I thought um, the uh, Brandon Staley, I think his name is, the Chargers head coach, made a really good statement, I thought. He's saying, you know, I just your heart just goes out to the people he was talking to and the people he mentioned. Uh, it's just not cool. It's really not cool of John Gruden. And um, hopefully we can move on and get the John Grudens out of the league. But unfortunately, what I'm afraid of is that there just might just be too many John Grudens in the NFL. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope there are some decent people in the NFL. But um, I, I, I hope we are able to clean this up. And we are able to move on with less John Gruden's in the NFL. Uh, so with that being said, uh, I think it's time to move into our NFL Week 6 preview. Uh, there is a game tonight, Buccaneers versus Eagles. I'll add a little commentary on that after it happens. Um, uh, that game is tonight at 8.20. It's Thursday, October 14th. This is the day I'm recording. So let's get into the Sunday games. We have another London game. Uh, last week, the Jets and Falcons played in London. Uh, the Falcons won, not too surprising. The Jets suck. Uh, Falcons aren't very good either, but this one features the one in four Dolphins versus the 0 and five Jaguars. I mentioned Urban Meyer. Uh, I think he's still lost the locker room. We were watching, 
uh, highlights of his game last week against the Titans on red zone, and he just had this ridiculous challenge that made absolutely no sense. To me, it seems like Urban Meyer has completely checked out and that he is 100% going to USC. I, I would be shocked if Urban Meyer is not the head coach of USC next year, honestly. There's no way he's going to last more than one season in Jacksonville. This is a disaster, and it needs to end. Uh, Dolphins are going to win this game. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going with Miami in this one. Dolphins win. Packers-Bears, classic rivalry. Uh, Packers have won four games in a row. Uh, I, 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 the Bears, I don't, I don't think they're very good. Even though they did beat the Raiders last week, uh, I, I still think the Bears are, uh, you know, I don't really trust Justin Fields a whole lot. I, I, he still doesn't look like the answer to me, honestly. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Packers in this one. Uh, to beat the Chicago Bears. Game is in Chicago uh, at Soldier Field. Uh, Bengals-Lions. Bengals almost beat the Packers last week. Uh, Mason Crosby missed all those kicks and definitely left the door open for the Bengals to possibly win that game. Um, But I think the Bengals will win this week against the Lions. The Lions are 0-5. I feel sorry for Dan Campbell. He seems like he is doing as good of a job as he possibly can. Given the situation, he does not have a lot of talent on that team. Uh, he was visibly emotional when they lost last week to the Vikings. Uh, I'm going with Cincinnati in this one, though. Cincinnati wins. Uh, Texans-Colts, stinker, terrible game. Uh, I guess the Colts. Um, I guess. Colts lost that game to the Ravens over the weekend. Um, I guess I guess they're going to win. Uh, I guess somebody has to win this game. It's in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, sure. Indy, Indy will win. Uh, Rams, Giants. Um, as I've mentioned, I've been pretty down on the Giants lately, um, with good reason. They suck. They're terrible. Uh, they are. There's just really no reason for me to care uh, anymore. Honestly, like uh, I don't. Ex- uh, Daniel Jones might play this week. Saquon Barkley's definitely not playing this week. Neither is Kenny Galladay. And the Rams are a really good team. I mean, the Rams are are much better than the Giants. They're honoring the 10th anniversary of the Giants' Super Bowl win, second Super Bowl win over the Patriots, which is honestly just sad because that's the last time New York's won a championship in anything, which is pathetic, absolutely pathetic for a city that's got two of every major sport. I mean, how can we not have had a championship in 10 years? that's, That's not a celebration to me. That's just pathetic, honestly. Uh, Rams favored by nine and a half. I'd take the points. I, I, I still think the Rams are going to win easily. Uh, uh, yeah, the Rams are going to win this one. I have an outro story about our next game, uh, Chiefs versus the Washington football team, uh, which I'm excited to talk about. Uh, Chiefs coming off um, getting humiliated by uh, the Bills at Arrowhead. Uh, Josh Allen looked really good in that game. Uh, and Washington... Tough loss to the Saints. The Saints are, I think, ultimately a better team. Gets to host the Kansas City Chiefs at home. I think the Chiefs bounce back. Don't think Washington's that good this year, honestly. Um, their defense is okay, but it hasn't looked great at times. Giving up that Hail Mary was awful. That was a huge mistake. I, I, I get why Jack Del Rio is getting a good amount of criticism from Washington football team fans, honestly. When you see plays like that, really, really bad. Really bad stuff. Uh, I'll go with Kansas City to win this game. Six and a half point favorites. Yeah, that sounds about right. Vikings Panthers. Interesting one. Uh, Vikings are a one point favorite. I don't know how I feel about that. Christian McCaffrey's coming back, so I, I like the Panthers in this one. I'm going to go with Carolina. 
Uh, I've been impressed with Sam Darnold so far this season. Uh, I, he's been good. Even in the loss last week to the Philadelphia, I thought Sam Darnold looked pretty good. So um, give me the Carolina Panthers in this one. I don't really believe in the Vikings. Uh, speaking of the Vikings, uh, shout out to Bennett Hull, uh, Minnesota Vikings fan, uh, member of the Impractical Fantasy Football League. Bennett and I played in fantasy this past week, and uh, Bennett had a 35-point lead going into the Monday night game, uh, which I only had Lamar Jackson left. So I was like, oh, I'm screwed. At the, if I had lost that game, I would have been 1-4, in four, which would have been really, really bad. Uh, but thank you to uh, our, our Lord and Savior, Lamar Jackson, for getting me 41 points on Monday Night Football and giving me the win over Bennett. I, in the process, I let Frog over like five different teams in the, in the process of winning this fantasy football game. Uh, including the prodigy, Matt Prandoni. So I, I feel good. I'm glad that my team was able to uh, to win. And thank you to Lamar Jackson. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, he is in our next game. Chargers versus the Ravens. Uh, I think the Ravens are a really, really good team. I think they're better than the Chargers. Even with the injuries they've suffered at the start of the season. These are two 4-1 teams. This is the game I am going to keep an eye on the most during the 1 o'clock window, folks. I think this is the best game of the 1 o'clock window. I wish it was a primetime game, but they've already given the Ravens three primetime games this season already. So, it's tough to tough to ignore this one. Uh, Lamar looks like an MVP candidate. Thank you again for the fantasy football win this past week, Lamar. I love you for that. Um... Uh, incredible, the best performance of his career on that Monday Night Football game. Uh, it's going to be hard to top that. Uh, I'm going with the Ravens to win this game. It's going to be close, though. I'm going with Baltimore in this one. Uh, that's the last of the 1 o'clock games. Now we move into the 4 o'clock slate of games, starting with the Cardinals and the Browns. Uh, this is a good one. The Browns could have beaten the Chargers last week. Uh, they had They scored 40 points and had no turnovers. That's the first time in NFL history that a team has lost despite scoring 40-plus points and not having a single turnover. That's crazy. And Cleveland is favored in this game by three points. But you know what? I'm going with the upset. I like Arizona this year. I like what Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins are doing this year out in the desert. So I'm going with Arizona. I think that's going to be the game to watch for sure. Um, Definitely going to keep my eye on that one. That's a good one. Uh, surprised the Browns are favored by three, honestly. That's a good one out there. So Cardinals in that one. Raiders, Broncos, Raiders, I are, we've already talked about them. Dealing with the after effects of the John Gruden situation. I think it's going to be tough for them, honestly, to win going forward. After something like that happens to a team, like we saw it in 1995 when the Cleveland Browns relocated to Baltimore, uh, just how tough moving forward was for them as a team. Um, but uh, this is gonna be this is unlike anything. I mean, the Raiders trusted John Gruden, and, and you expect them to be able to move forward from that. Honestly, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. I'm going with Denver in this one. I'll, I'll pick the Denver Broncos to win. Uh, Four twenty-five. Denver's favored by three and a half point games in Denver. Uh, yeah, Denver wins this one. And finally, um, and in the four o'clock slate of windows, we have the Cowboys versus the Patriots in the battle of teams. I, I just absolutely love. I love the Cowboys. I love the Patriots. I love this game. Sarcasm again. Um, But Dallas, I think, is the real deal. I think they're clearly the best team in the NFC East at this point. Uh, As much as I hate to say it, uh, they just look like the real deal out there. 
they crushed the Giants last week, and I expect them to do the same to the Patriots this week. Uh, game is in Foxborough, but I don't think that's going to matter a whole lot. Uh, I'm going with Dallas in that one. And then the Sunday night game is Steelers versus Seahawks. Uh, Pittsburgh is favored by five, which I get. I just remembered Russell Wilson is now out for a month. Uh, that, that sucks. So I think the Steelers are probably going to win. Juju Smith-Schuster is also out for the season for the Steelers, but I think Pittsburgh still gets it done. Uh, I don't believe in Geno Smith, unfortunately. I saw enough of Geno Smith in New York when he was with the Jets, and then during his one start with the Giants that we don't need to talk about. Um, I've seen enough of Geno Smith in my life to know he's, he's, he, ain't, he ain't it, Chief. He ain't it. Uh, and then the Monday night game is another is a good one. Bills, Titans, the game's in Nashville. I like the Bills. I like Josh Allen. Uh, I think Josh Allen right now is right up there with Lamar Jackson for the MVP in this league. Uh, so I will go with the Buffalo Bills in that one, although Derrick Henry is going to do his usual thing, I think, and have a really good game. I still like Buffalo in that one. So to recap, tonight I'm picking the Bucks. by the way. I don't think I said that, but that's a pretty slam dunk choice in my, in my opinion. I'll, I'll add an update if I'm right or wrong, but I am picking the Bucks tonight. Bucks tonight, Dolphins over the Jaguars. Packers over the Bears, Bengals over the Lions, Colts over the Texans, Rams over the Giants, Chiefs over Washington football team, Viking, uh, excuse me, Panthers over the Vikings, Ravens over the Chargers, Cardinals over the Browns, uh, Broncos over the Raiders, Cowboys over the Patriots, uh, Steelers against over the Seahawks, and Bills beating the Titans. Those are my picks for Week Six in the NFL. Like I said, I was kind of away from the NFL uh, for the last couple of uh, weeks. You know, I was at Pat and Becca's wedding. I didn't watch any football that week. Uh, I was I was more locked into Game 162 for the Yankees that day. Um, but uh, I've I've barely watched any football lately. So um, it's good to be back in the swing of things. And you know, I'm, I guess I I mean, look, the Giants just suck. Like I, I, it's hard for me to really care about the Giants at this point. Like. Honestly, at this point, I would say my team rankings, Yankees clearly number one, will always, always, always be number one. Knicks will always be number two. Like that is, those are the, those two are the locks. Arsenal may have jumped ahead of the Giants, honestly. I, I, Arsenal may have moved ahead of the Giants. Um, I just care, like soccer is more my thing, honestly, and I just really enjoy the EPL. Uh, but we have, a, we have a couple EPL stories for you in the outro. So I don't want to spoil, and we also have a U.S. Men's National Team story in the outro as well. So um, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil all that. I think I've, been, I've, we've done enough now with the NFL and Major League Baseball playoffs. So let's get into today's outro. All right, I'm going to start today's outro with a little bit of breaking Yankee news. This literally just broke seconds ago like I literally just saw this on Twitter now Lindsay Adler just posted it to her Twitter account um that is that Marcus Timms the Yankees hitting coach will not return for the 2022 season I think this is a good decision overall I think the Yankees hitting dramatically underachieved this season they could have been so much better I think they were like 20th or 21st in runs scored all season which is not good enough for this lineup that has so much potential has the potential to be so deep, they really underachieved with the bat, I thought, this season. So I am glad Marcus Timms is gone as Yankees hitting coach. I 
hope he's just the first domino to fall. I've already talked about how I think ESPN is setting it up so Aaron Boone comes back as manager, but I hope Phil Nevin is gone. Um, I hope there are other, the, really the only pitching or the only coach that I hope doesn't go is pitching coach Matt Blake. Matt Blake is like the only one who actually, I think did his job this season actually made people better. So I hope Matt Blake stays, but I expect a lot of other coaches to go. I bet Marcus Timms is just the first domino to fall. I kind of wish they had done it before Kevin Long got hired by the Phillies. Cause I would have really liked Kevin Long to come back as Yankees hitting coach. Um, he's done a great job. Uh, with the Nationals uh, winning a World Series there. And he was, of course, a former Yankee hitting coach when Joe Girardi was the hitting coach here. So, uh, But he got snatched up by the Phillies, so uh, that's too late. But I'll be interested to see who they bring in as hitting coach at this point moving forward. Uh, yeah, I- I'm glad to see Marcus Timms go. I think this is just the first domino in a series of what will be eventually a lot of dominoes to fall for uh, this Yankees coaching staff. I expect... Um, Excuse me, I, I expect, I hope Aaron Boone is gone. I'm a little distracted because they're doing construction work outside and it's really loud, but um, I hope Aaron Boone is gone. Uh, I hope Phil Nevin is gone uh, and Marcus Timms, you know, I, I mentioned this on last week's show. I, I remember the game where he hit the his first career home run on the first pitch he saw from Randy Johnson. Uh, I remember that game. I remember the game in 2010 where he hit a walk-off home run against the Boston Red Sox. Um, that those games were a lot of fun, but unfortunately that does not mean you're a good hitting coach. That doesn't mean you're the right man for the job. And, uh, they just decided ultimately it was time for change. So I think it's the right move. And uh, I expect this to be the first domino to fall when it comes to coaches for the Yankees, uh, this year. Uh, so anyway, uh, the Rangers, uh, they started their season last night. Uh, they lost five to one. I'll give a quick scoring summary of that game. They played the Capitals. Uh, as you guys know, anybody who's listened to this podcast knows I'm not a huge fan of the Capitals. Uh, I think their fans are really annoying and kind of entitled for some reason. I don't get it. They've won one Stanley Cup. Like, who cares? Like, they're they're and like they've beaten that Stanley Cup into the ground a thousand times. Like, we get it. You won the Stanley Cup. Like, chill. Uh, but they did score five goals against the Rangers. Um, they crushed them. T.J. Oshie got the first goal on the power play. Schultz, Jordan Schultz, Justin Schultz, who cares? I don't know. Scored the second goal. Make it 2-0 in the second period. Uh, LaPierre, whatever, 3-0 in the second period. Uh, then Ovechkin got his first of the night making the, on a power play goal. That made it 4-0. Chris Kreider scored the only goal of the game for the Rangers. 4-1 at that point. Then Ovechkin put it away with a shorthanded goal, uh, his second of the night. Uh, to give the Caps a 5-1 lead. Uh, I do not have particularly high expectations for the Rangers this season, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I just don't, honestly. I, I, I don't think they're that good. Um, I probably won't pay attention too, too much. I am going to watch, until the baseball game starts tonight, the Giants-Dodgers game, I am going to watch their game against the Dallas Stars. I don't know why they have a back-to-back. Uh, right after the first game of the season. That seems a little much, honestly. They're going literally right to their home opener um, after this game. So I, 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 I don't know why they're playing back-to-back. I also don't know why they named six, cap- six alternate captains. Like, why can't you just name one captain? Like, you literally just signed Mika Zibanejad to this huge contract extension. This huge contract extension. Eight and a half million dollars. 
for, for like eight years over the next eight years. You can't make him or Chris Kreider one of the captains. Why do they have to be alternates? What is the point of that? That makes no sense to me, honestly. That makes no sense to me. I have no expectations for the Rangers this season. I, I really, really, like, I don't expect them to be that good. Uh, I barely care about hockey to begin with in the first place. Uh, but I will say I am excited for Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, not only is he getting his jersey retired later this year, but he is officially joining the MSG team as a pre- pre- and post-game show uh, broadcaster for certain games, including tonight's game against Dallas. So I'm definitely going to be watching that from the start. Uh, I'm excited to see how he does. Uh, paired with Steve Valiquette and John Giannone, who do a great job with the Rangers pre- and post-game show. Um, yeah, uh, I really, like I said, don't have a ton of expectations for the Rangers this season. Uh, I am glad hockey is back, I guess, even though I'm kind of down on it. Uh, I am glad that they have seemed to have found a home on both ESPN and TNT. I think both of them did a really good job, I thought, with their coverage. I love seeing Mark Messier on ESPN. And I love seeing Wayne Gretzky on TNT. I thought it was funny last night that Wayne Gretzky um, took some shots, took, took like shots at Charles Barkley while he was standing in goal. Please, please involve Charles Barkley in more in more soccer uh, hockey coverage because he did a really good job. I thought uh, he seemed to know the sport. He seemed to really care. Uh, I was really, really impressed with Charles Barkley uh, during his hockey, like his, his 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 time with the TNT crew last night. If I had to give a slight edge, I think I would give a slight edge to TNT overall. I think TNT kind of, well, let's be honest. TNT basically took everybody from the NHL on NBC and just brought them over, while ESPN kind of like brought in their like new people, I thought. Um, it ba- it's basically the same commentators. Like Kenny Albert and Eddie Olchuk commentated the Rangers-Capitals game last night. Liam McHugh still does the pre- and post-game show. It's a lot of the same familiar faces that we saw on the NHL on NBC. Um, so I think I would give TNT a slight edge for the familiarity aspect, I would say. Uh, but I have enjoyed both of their, their coverages to start the season. Um, I'm excited to see where they go uh, moving forward. Uh, I, I, um, I like both of their coverage. Um, I, 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 hang on just a second. I lost. Uh, hang on. There we go. Um, I got scared for a second because I lost uh, what I was going to talk about next. But, um, yeah, uh, I think they both have really good coverage. Um, I, like I said, ESPN feels more made from scratch than TNT's. TNT's just feels like they took a bunch of people from NHL and NBC over. But that's not a, good, that's not a bad thing because the NHL and NBC did a really good job covering hockey, I thought. I think they got a lot of people into hockey that wouldn't normally have been into hockey. So uh, I give a lot of credit to the NHL and NBC, but I think... Uh, it's going to be good to see how they do. Um, the Seattle Kraken played their first game on Wednesday night. They lost to Vegas. Uh, I'm going to be keeping my eye on the Seattle Kraken for sure. Uh, now that they're in the league, uh, I, I, I want Seattle to become a four-sport city now that they have the Kraken. I want them to get their NBA team back as well, the Sonics. I think um, it's time now, especially now that they've completely renovated this arena for a hockey team. I think it's time to bring back the true team of Seattle, the Seattle SuperSonics, and and have make Seattle a four sports city. So I'm glad the the Kraken have made their debut. Uh, overall, I think hockey will be pretty good this year. All I hope is that the Capitals don't win. That is literally all I hope. I just I like 
cannot stand the Capitals. Uh, the, the other teams I don't like, like, I don't really like the Devils, but they don't really have much of a chance of winning the Stanley Cup or anything. They're not very good. All I hope is that the Capitals don't win the Stanley Cup. That's literally all I hope. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my expectations for this hockey season. All right, so the U.S. men's national team played three World Cup qualifiers over the last week. Uh, the first one was last Thursday. Uh, it was against Jamaica. Fairly easy victory, 2-0. Two no, two, two uh, Ricardo Pepe scored both goals for the USA team. He's just a beast. I, I love Ricardo Pepe. I, I cannot wait for him to be a part of this team's future moving forward. I'm just really excited for what he brings to the table. Uh, I'm really looking forward to him getting sold to a bigger club. No disrespect to FC Dallas and the MLS, but as soon as he gets moved to a bigger club, that's going to be the best thing possible for his career, whether it's in Italy, whether it's in Germany. That kid needs to be playing big-time European football, Um, so I hope Ricardo Pepe gets his chance. Uh, He scored a goal in the 49th minute of this game and the 62nd minute of this game. And uh, it was easy stuff in Austin. That game was 2-0 against Jamaica in Austin on Thursday. Uh, They cruised to victory in that one. We were feeling good going down to Panama. Uh, It looked good. Uh, Everybody was kind of like, this is just like another game for the U.S. to take care of business. We felt like they were better than Panama. Um, I I had a lot of expectations. Unfortunately, there was no uh, McKinney for this game. And, of course, Pulisic and Dest were already out due to injuries. Um... And not to mention, they didn't start Ricardo Pepe in this game, which was incredibly disappointing because I felt like he should have been playing, especially after his performance against Jamaica. I get it. You know, he, he doesn't have to play every single game for this team, but he's our best player right now, and he should be playing like big-time minutes, I thought. All of this stuff, I think, ultimately is what ended up hurting us against Panama. Uh, a 1-0 defeat. Um... Uh, the only goal of the game, the only goal of the match was scored by Godoy, Anibal Godoy, in the 54th minute. Uh, we just did not look good. And this sent a lot of U.S. soccer into panic mode after this loss because that tightened the strings a little bit on qualifying. People were like, oh, crap. Here we go again. The Burhalter out crew, or the mob as I call them, out in full force. Um, it was not good uh, after that loss. Even Taylor Twelman said... I said a, I made a rant after we lost to Trinidad and Tobago four years ago exactly, and here I am saying the st- same exact things. That hurt, honestly, because we all remember Taylor Twelman's "What are we doing?" rant. Uh, that hurt to hear him say that. Um, so I was concerned going into this game, and I was really concerned when Costa Rica scored in the first minute. I was like, "Oh crap!" Questionable goal questionable goal but it was ruled a good goal there's no var in Concacaf, which also hurt the u.s in the jamaica game as well there were a couple calls that jamaica got away with that i thought would have been overturned if it weren't for var no var in Concacaf, which is a load of bullshit they need to get var into Concacaf. like it's completely unfair that other parts of the world have this advantage but we don't i mean come on anyway anyway i'll calm down i'll calm down now Costa Rica scores the first goal of the game in the first possible minute. Uh, but luckily, uh, the U.S. was able to, to, to answer back. Uh, Serginio Dest got a beauty, a beauty, a rocket goal in the 25th minute. A huge goal for Dest. I love Dest, too. Uh, and then the game-winning goal was credited as an own goal. Um, but it was, it was originally credited to Tim Weah, um, which I love to see. I, Tim Weah, I thought, played really well in this game. Um, 
even though it was credited as an own goal, I thought Tim Weah played great. He was only in the starting lineup because of an injury to Paul Areola. And personally, I'd much rather have Tim Weah in the starting lineup than Paul Areola. Like, no disrespect to Paul Areola. I, I respect him from his time with DC United, of course. Um, and he's DC United's captain. But still, I'd rather have Weah out there, personally. And I'm glad Weah got his chance. Uh, I'm glad Zach Steffen got his um you know, other than letting in that goal in the first minute, I thought Stefan played pretty well. Um, it's tough to go head-to-head against Kaylor Navas, but uh, I thought Stefan did a really good job with that. And uh, they won. They ended up holding on and winning. Huge win. They're now second in CONCACAF qualifying standing behind Mexico. Um, so keep it up. The next, the next couple games in November are absolutely huge. Um, they play um, New Mexico is the next game. That's November 12th. It's Friday night in Cincinnati. That game is enormous. I cannot stress how important that game against Mexico on Friday, November 12th is. I can't wait for that game. Hopefully we take care of business in that game. If we do, we'd be tied with Mexico at the top of the standings. In fact, I think we'd be ahead of Mexico on head-to-head play. So that game, I cannot stress to you enough, is extremely, extremely important. So hopefully they win that game against Mexico. Uh, I personally, I, I'm hit or miss on Burhalter. Um, I think Burhalter can be a bit of a clown at times. Like some of his lineups just make you shake their, your head at times. But um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I think he's, he's going he's gonna to at least get us to the World Cup in 2022. I don't know if he'll be there in 2026. But uh, I, I trust Burhalter for now. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I we'll we'll see um, we'll see we'll see how it goes. I'm sorry, I was just finding an article for my next story. I was trying to find the best article to sum up how I feel about the story, and I think this one from Deadspin um, does the trick. Um, it's cut entitled "Dan Snyder deciding to honor Sean Taylor now is a disgrace." So I've already talked about the John Gruden email scandal and how that cost him his job. Well, Washington football team is is heavily involved in that in that scandal. Like the emails were to Bruce Allen, the former head coach or former president of the Washington football team. I'm sure Dan Snyder's involved as well. It's not going to be good for Washington football team. I think there's going to be a lot exposed uh, for WFT as this is as they find more stuff out. Uh, I, I I would I I pray for the the mental health of Washington football team fans that Dan Snyder is forced to sell the Washington football team. But they made an announcement today, which, I mean, come on. We're not dumb. We're not stupid, guys. We're not dumb. We know what you're doing here. They decided to, today, today, they announced this morning, Thursday morning, the game is Sunday, they announced that they're going to retire Sean Taylor's number. First off, they should have done this a long time ago. Sean Taylor is not only was not only a great player for the then Redskins, but a huge fan favorite. When he died, that was a seminal moment for a lot of fans of Redskins slash WFT. This is a clear publicity stunt. This is a clear, they're trying to distract from the bad PR they've been getting. This is a bad, bad look for the Washington football team, in my opinion. Here's the article. Now, you have to remember, this is Deadspin. Deadspin can be a little preachy at times, but um, I'm going to read this article for you guys. I I think you guys are going to like this. Uh, It's from Jesse Spector. I like Jesse Spector. This is from Jesse Spector at Deadspin. 
The New York Giants announced in September that they will retire Michael Strahan's number on November 28th. Earlier this month when Pau Gasol retired, Lakers owner Jeannie Buss immediately said that his number 16 would go to the rafters. The Oakland A's have been planning Dave Stewart's jersey retirement ceremony since 2019, and it'll finally happen on May 23rd of next year. The Washington football team is retiring number 21 for Sean Taylor this Sunday, and the team announced it on Thursday. Taylor was murdered in 2007 at the age of 24, just as he was coming into the prime of his potential Hall of Fame career. His memory is sacred to Washington fans, and his legacy is so strong that Clinton Portis said when the team decided to remove Taylor's locker, quote, my love for the game disappeared, leading him to hang up his cleats. Nobody has worn 21 for Washington since Taylor's death. The number retirement should have been made official long ago. And they're doing it on three days' notice. Taken alone, this is a level of franchise incompetence that would make you question the decision makers from Dan Snyder all the way down. This is an event that Washington fans will want to attend, and they've been waiting to see for years to celebrate the greatness and to mourn the loss. Collectively, that has been a heavy weight on the heart for more than a decade. And they're doing it on three days' notice. Of course, the decision to retire Taylor's number now isn't taken alone. It's taken amid 650,000 emails being reviewed as part of an investigation into how Snyder runs his franchise. And so far, the only emails that the public has seen from that investigation are the ones that cost John Gruden his job as a coach of an entirely different team. Snyder and his front office henchmen clearly have been looking around for some kind of break glass in case of emergency box to smash open. Not only because of the emails, but in the wake of their practice facility being raided by federal authorities. Whoa, hold the phone. I didn't know about this. As part of a criminal probe as of their head athletic trainer. Okay, Tim did mention something about this. I'm sorry, Tim. You did mention something about this. Um, they found Taylor's number 21 jersey in that emergency box. I, 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 they would have been plenty cynical to make the announcement this week that the organization was planning to retire Taylor's number next season, or even later this season, like, say, December 12th, when the Cowboys come to the nation's capital. But that wasn't beyond pale enough, beyond the pale enough, for this rotten franchise. And they're doing it on three days' notice. And this franchise certainly is rotten. They may have changed the, from the team's nickname from a racial slur, but they're also the team that was the last in the NFL to integrate. They held off retiring Bobby Mitchell's number until after he died, and even only then did it as a publicity stunt because public pressure forced them to rename a stadium seating, uh, rename the seating, uh, excuse me, rename the stadium seating level that previously honored George Preston Marshall, the team's owner who kept Washington football team all white until 1962 when the federal government presented an ultimatum to either integrate or lose their D.C. lease. So yes, I'll stop reading the article now. We all know the Washington football team and all the shitty things they've done over the years. This is just another in a long line of really shitty things done by the Washington football team. You are clearly trying to sweep all these emails under the rug by announcing you're retiring Sean Taylor's number like this. I mean, this is disgraceful. How can his family stand for this? If I was Sean Taylor's family, I'd be like, no, now is not the time for this. You should have done this years ago, if, if, if not, and you should have waited until a new owner comes in. All I can hope from these emails, for the safety, for the mental health of Washington football team fans, 
right here in the DMV and across the world. I hope they find something in these emails. And Dan Snyder is forced to sell the Washington football team. It would be the best thing that's happened to sports in this D.C. area in a very long time, including the Nationals World Series and including the Capital Stanley Cup. Like, ah, I hate Dan Snyder. This guy's a freaking clown. I almost said fucking clown. He's a freaking clown. Ah! There's your rant, Mike. Mike was asking if I was going to rant about this. But yes, I am going to rant about this. I think it's disgraceful. I think it's shameful that they're doing this now. I saw a lot of people. I got tagged in a post from Carol Porter. I love Carol Porter, but I got tagged in a post from him today saying, oh, this is going to be a great and historic day for the Washington football team. Carol, take a step back and realize what's going on here. Please. I'm sorry. Please. Please take a step back and realize that this is clearly a publicity stunt done by Washington football team to sweep all their bad press under the rug. It's disgraceful. I agree with everything this Deadspin article said. It's completely, completely wrong. And they should have waited until next season, honestly. Uh, I, I don't know why they're doing it now. I, 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 well, I, clearly, I know why they're doing it now. But like, what, what's the point, honestly? What? I, I don't get it. I don't get it, guys. Uh, this, is, this is yet another in a very long and confusing line of, of things done by the Washington football team. And I hope it would be the best thing for everyone if Dan Snyder was forced to sell this team. It would, it would make things a lot. They could get a new stadium in D.C. They could, uh, I have been saying for years and years and years how much I hate FedEx Field. That place is a dump. It's a joke. If they got a new owner, if they got Dan Snyder out of there, they could build a new stadium either in Arlington or or even further out in Fairfax maybe or or at near Ashburn or they could build a new stadium on the site of RFK, which I think would be the best for everyone. Bring them back to DC. But they're not going to do that until Dan Snyder is forced to sell this team. Ugh. I hate, I hate Washington football team. I hate Dan Snyder. It's a clown. It's a clown show. Clown show stuff, guys. All right. Um, so uh, Newcastle United, speaking of new owners, um, Newcastle, um, Newcastle United was, was taken over. Um, I'm going to read, uh, read an article for, um, from NBC Sports or NBC News on this. A former shipbuilding city in northeast England may seem like an unlikely place for Saudi crimp. Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman to rehabilitate his tarnished reputation. And yet last week, hundreds of Newcastle residents gathered outside the city's soccer stadium to pay homage to the power behind the Saudi throne, the man widely known as MBS. Some tied dish towels to their head. Others waved Saudi flags, and even a few wore masks of the Crown Prince himself, a world leader accused of a raft of human rights abuses and ordering an assassination of prominent, a prominent journalist. On a sporting level, these supporters had good reason to cheer. Saudi Arabia's $400 billion sovereign wealth fund had just bought the long-suffering soccer team, Newcastle United, overnight, making it the world's richest club. But the deal has spurred criticism that Saudi Arabia is using the team founded in 1892 as a vehicle for, quote, sports washing. I haven't heard this term yet. 
In other words, Saudi Arabia is accused of trying to launder its reputation so that it's no longer synonymous with a brutal, absolute monarchy that jails activists, carries out public beheadings, and oppresses women in the LGBTQ community, and becomes known instead of as the smiling face of international soccer success. Okay, Washington football team fans, I guess it could be worse. Um, it gives the Saudis authority, Saudi authorities an opportunity to put their name, their branding, and positive messages about their country around the world, says Felix Jenkins, head of U.S. campaigns uh, at the human rights group Amnesty International. It's a familiar playbook. Manchester City is now owned by Abu Dhabi's royal family, and Paris Saint-Germain is owned by Qatar's sovereign wealth fund, to name a few. Soccer's elite is increasingly dominated by faraway regimes with bottomless pockets. But the Saudi Newcastle takeover has prompted international outrage on another level. This is a country that carries out some of the worst systemic, systematic human rights violations against its own population. And the situation is getting worse, not better. Um, so yeah, look, I'd say Newcastle United has been a long-suffering club for a very long time. They, they have not had a lot of success. Uh, under their previous owner, Mike Ashley, they were at times flat-out embarrassing. They got relegated from the Premier League twice for a team of Newcastle stature. That should not be allowed. Like you should not be allowed to be relegated from the Premier League twice. And Mike Ashley was bad. Like Mike Ashley is is a bad person in his own right too. I'm not trying to make Mike Ashley out to seem like he's a good person. If we've learned anything from the last ten minutes of this podcast is that pretty much all sports owners are bad. But um, what Mike Ashley did was was really bad. What, from what I've heard from Mike Ashley is his his company Sports Direct in Newcastle was basically like was, was like sweatshops at times. Like where people were for, forced to work to the bone for like barely any pay. I mean, that's bad. Don't get me wrong, that's bad. And I understand why Newcastle supporters would jump at the idea of becoming the richest club in the world. That's a big deal. Richer than Man City, richer than PSG, little old Newcastle all of a sudden becoming the richest club in the world. I can understand why Newcastle supporters would jump at that idea, but be careful what you wish for, folks. Sports washing, this is real. I believe it. A lot of rich and powerful people, and in this case countries, sovereign wealth funds, buy sporting clubs in an effort to make them look less evil. And this is exactly that. So yes, Newcastle is all of a sudden the richest club in the world. I expect that they will do more than what Mike Ashley did with Newcastle. What Mike Ashley did with Newcastle was awful. Uh, I mean, he did a terrible job. So I expect that these guys will come in and change what happens at Newcastle. I expect Newcastle to hopefully, I mean, I've always kind of had a soft spot for Newcastle personally. So I kind of hope they develop into a bit of a power. That would be really cool to see. But be careful what you wish for, guys. Just because you know the grass always seems greener on the other side doesn't mean that it always is. So I hope Newcastle supporters find what they they want, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I they get what they want with these owners. Uh, it would be for the best, but um, yeah, I, I, I just be careful what you wish for, guys. Be, be careful what you wish for, and um, I, I hope that it works out for Newcastle. I really do. Um, oh wow. Um, sorry, guys. I just got some. This is live breaking news. That's why I was a little flustered there for the last couple seconds. Live breaking news. What have I been saying the last two episodes of this podcast? Do not bring back Phil Nevin. Lindsay Adler is now tweeting that Phil Nevin will also 
not be back in the 2022 season. Fantastic. Excellent. Goodbye, Phil Nevin. Like I said, that send with Judge was inexcusable, unacceptable, and he had to go. Sorry, Phil Nevin, you had to go. And goodbye, goodbye. So that's Marcus Timms and Phil Nevin both let go today. I love it. I love it. Goodbye to both of them. Um, all right, so just going through the EPL schedule uh, for the upcoming. Well, first, let me go through the, uh, the table for you guys here. Um, right now, Chelsea is top of the league with 16 points. Liverpool are second with 15 points. City are third with 14. Manchester United also have 14. Uh, they're fourth. Everton are fifth with also 14. And Brighton uh, also have 14 as well and sixth. Brentford, who have been a great story all season, are right outside the top, se- uh, the top six. They're seventh right now. They also have 12 points. Tottenham have 12 points in eighth. West Ham have 11 in ninth. And Aston Villa, to round out the top 10, have 10. Arsenal have 10 also, but they're 11th. Um, so the games this week, Watford versus Liverpool. I expect Liverpool to absolutely crush Watford there. Uh, Aston Villa versus, well, that's the 7.30 game, 7.30 Eastern. Aston Villa versus Wolves. Uh, Leicester Man United is pretty good. Uh, that's at 10 o'clock. Man City Burnley also at 10 o'clock. Norwich Brighton is at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Southampton versus Leeds is at 10 o'clock on Saturday. And Brentford Chelsea is at 12.30 on Saturday. So stay tuned for all that. Uh, they should be pretty good games. And then on Sunday, um, I don't know why it's, why is it showing me the Saturday game? There we are. Everton versus West Ham is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. That's a good one. Two top 10 teams right now. Uh, the recently purchased Newcastle, like we mentioned, uh, against Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, that game is at 11.30 uh, on Sunday. And then uh, on Monday, Arsenal play Crystal Palace. Uh, I am looking forward to that one. Uh, 3 o'clock on Monday afternoon should be a good one. Uh, I'll be go- I'm just getting back from my doctor's appointment in time for that one. So I'm looking forward to that game. That's your EPL roundup for the weekend. I'm glad uh, club football is coming back. I, I, you guys know how I record my podcast sometimes at Pike and Rose. Well, two weeks ago, I went to Pike and Rose to watch soccer, uh, EPL soccer, on my iPad. And it was a great decision. I really enjoyed it. It was really chill. I got a bagel. I got a coffee. I just hung out at Pike and Rose watching soccer all morning. It was really good. So uh, I think I'm going to do that again this upcoming Saturday. Uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, all right, so that's it for the sports stories of this, this outro. I have a couple reviews I want to give to you guys. I saw a couple movies this week, and I also wanted to talk about Squid Game a little bit because, um, it's I, I mean, everybody's talking about it. Um, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to get a sip, quick sip of water, and then we'll be right back to review uh, a couple movies and TV shows. So stay tuned. All right, so I, I've seen a couple movies and TV shows over the last couple of weeks, and this is how we're going to end today's episode. I'm just going to give you a quick couple reviews uh, of what I've seen. Uh, I wanted to give a James Bond review for you guys uh, to this point, but we're going to have to wait until next week because I haven't seen it yet. Um, I do have a little bit more free time this week, so I am hoping to see it. But uh, I have heard you guys know, I mentioned at the start of this episode how I've been back at the Spy Museum. Uh, well, people, some, some people at the Spy Museum straight up said it's not just Daniel Craig's best Bond movie. It's the best Bond movie ever, period. Like, the best Bond movie ever. I don't know how it can be better than Goldfinger or Goldeneye or The World Is Not Enough. I, I don't know. It's going to be it's gonna be tough to top all those movies, the classic Bonds. But um, 
That's high praise. That's really high praise. So I'm really excited to see this movie. Uh, maybe I'll go tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow seems like a good day to go see a movie, honestly. Um, let's see what the weather's looking like tomorrow. Um, it's supposed to be sunny. All right, well, so maybe tomorrow's not the best day to go see a movie. But still, um, I would like to go see this movie as soon as possible. One movie I have seen, though, uh, I watched on HBO Max yesterday, uh, is The Many Saints of Newark. And honestly, guys, I got to say, I am a Sopranos fan. I like The Sopranos a lot. Uh, but I was really not feeling this movie, like, at all. Like, I, I thought it was slow. I thought it was kind of pointless. I mean, look, they had years to come up with a good Sopranos movie. And I know James Gandolfini died, which makes things a little hard, but they had years to come up with a quality, good Sopranos movie. And this was the best they came up with, really, I don't. I wasn't a fan, honestly. I have to be honest. I was not a huge fan of this movie. Uh, I was definitely disappointed. I'm glad I didn't pay for it. I'm glad it was on HBO Max, so I didn't have to pay for it. Um, but there was. I just wasn't really feeling this movie, honestly, guys. Um, I, I. I was good to get some of the origin story, I guess. Uh, I mean, if you pay attention to the show, you kind of knew already a lot of the origin story of Christopher and all that and Tony Soprano, but. Uh, I just wasn't really feeling it, guys. I thought um, I thought um, James Gandolfini's son did a, a pretty solid job playing Tony Soprano, but um, the young Tony Soprano, that is. But uh, I, I, I overall, I just I, I didn't think the acting was very. There was the action was few and far between. Leslie Odom, who I'm a big fan of from Hamilton, I didn't think. I unfortunately didn't think he was great either. I, I don't know. This movie just didn't really do it for me, honestly. Uh, I'd probably give it like two out of five stars, honestly. I, I was not a huge fan of the Sopranos movie. Uh, one movie I did like uh, was Venom 2. Um, I saw that last Friday with Mike and Tim. Uh, we went over to Rio and we saw it uh, last Friday night. And uh, I really liked it, actually. I'd probably give it like three out of five. Um, I really like Woody Harrelson uh, joining the cast as Cletus Cassidy uh, or Carnage. Uh, I thought he was really good. Um, I thought his love interest was also really good. Um, her scream was really annoying. That was probably the only really annoying part. But I thought it was funny. It had really, like, I thought it was better than the first Venom. The first Venom almost felt, like, kind of incomplete compared to this one. Uh, it felt like they took their time with this one. And, you know, they did have a lot more time due to the pandemic, obviously. But um, I liked Venom, too. Um, I don't know if I'd see it again. But uh, I did. Uh, I'm glad I saw it because I already saw. I had already seen the first one, so I might as well complete it and see the second one. Uh, and like I said, probably three out of five, if I had to guess. I definitely liked it more than many Saints of Newark. That's not particularly hard. You know what's funny is I remember the Sopranos video game when that came out on the PS2, maybe like 2006, 2007, and I remember playing that, and I remember also being underwhelmed by that video game. And so maybe they should just stick to the TV show. You know, you know maybe they should just stick to the Sopranos TV show. Because that seems to have worked. That, that was good, at least. So maybe they should just stick to the TV show. Stick to what you know, Sopranos writers. Stick to what you know. Um, and finally, I talked about this on the Ted Lasso podcast. By the way, if you haven't listened to my other podcast, the Ted Lasso podcast. Uh, the Hope That Kills You podcast. Go check that out when you get a chance. If you're a fan of Ted Lasso, I strongly encourage it. Um, I talked about it, but I, I did watch Squid Game. 
Uh, I watched Squid Game from start to finish, and I really liked it a lot, actually. Um, I'm glad I watched it from start to finish. Um, and I, I said this on the Ted Lasso podcast, but before I started watching the show, you got to remember, I was out of town literally all the week before. I was in North Carolina for Pat and Becca's wedding, um, so I was kind of off the grid. Um, so I, I didn't really, I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention to like entertainment stuff that week. So when I got back to Maryland, all I heard was Korea and game sh- and games. So I thought it was a Korean game show. Like I thought it was a real Korean game show. And I honestly, I didn't even really hear anybody say anything about any violence either. I just assumed it was like a Korean game show. Um, so I, I turned on the first episode and um, it starts a little slow. And honestly, the dub is kind of wonky at times and not very good. But um, so I, I don't know how you watched it. I, I watched it with the uh, English dub um, and I watched it with English subtitles as well just in case I missed anything. And um, I don't know if you watched it with the Korean dub and English subtitles, or which there were a couple ways to consume this show. But I chose to go the English dub with, um, with English subtitles as well, just in case I miss anything. And the first episode starts out a little slow, but um, when they finally get to the island and they start playing the games, that's when things really pick up. And the first game, I don't want to give too much away, but I think we all know by now, if you've, unless you've been living under a rock, the first game is a giant game of red light, green light. And, um, uh, oh, man, I, I, when, when the first person gets shot, I'm just like, wow, they really went there. And, um, look, I give credit to the main characters because they realize... They realized pretty quickly that if they... A lot of people in the game didn't realize that if they ran, they'd be dead. And a lot of people just started running towards the exit, and they got shot, like, immediately. Um, So I give credit to the main characters for realizing that during the first game. That first game was definitely intense, the Red Light, Green Light game. Uh, But it gets even crazier than that. I mean, the Marbles game, I think that was episode 6, where they played the Marbles game. That game was wild. I mean, wow. I don't want... Again, don't want to give too much away, but wow. That that took a turn that I did not see coming. You, this show took a lot of turns that you just do not see coming. And then there's the next episode after that, episode seven, with the glass game, where I almost turned it off. Honestly, that, there was one point where I was sitting there watching this episode with the glass game, and I was like, I, I checked to see how much time left, and there were still 17 minutes left, and I was like, Oh my god. I don't know if I can do this any longer. This is the most intense thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and it, it was, it was, you got, so my best advice for watching Squid Game is watch it. It's good. I, I, I recommend it. It's, it's definitely a really good show. But I, I recommend you only doing one episode at a time. Because each, after each episode, you're going to need a little bit of time to decompress and to take in what you just saw. I, that's definitely what I needed to do, especially after the, the, the Marble episode and the Glass Game episode. I was like, ah, I can't do this any longer. But it tastes a lot of twists and turns, a lot of stuff that you just don't see coming. And if I had to guess, based off of, one, how the season ends, and two, how wildly popular the show has become, I would definitely say they are going to get a second season. I think a second season is almost certainly... Uh, going to happen. Um, I didn't realize how famous 
the cast was in Korea. I looked on Instagram uh, yesterday because I wanted to see what the cast and crew of uh, Squid Game, like what they post to Instagram to see what's going on with them. One of them has 18 million followers on Instagram. Like, holy smokes. Uh, they all have more than at least 3 million followers on Instagram. They're huge in Korea. They're huge. Um, they, and with deservedly so. They're all really good actors. They're all really talented. Um, they deserve their fame. They deserve their success. I, bravo to all of them. Um, I thought they all did a really, really good job. Um, one scene I didn't really get, though, and maybe somebody can explain this to me, uh, somebody out there who's watched Squid Game as well. So I watched it with the English dub. Were the VIPs speaking English? Like, in like, were they actually speaking English? I was a little confused about that. Or was that a dub? Because if that was a dub, that was a really good dub. It seemed like they were actually speaking English to me. Um, I could be wrong though. Uh, but if that was a dub, that was a really good dub. Um, uh, other than that, the rest the rest of the dub was really kind of wonky. But that part kind of confused me a little bit. But overall, Squid Game was great. Um, it's kind of funny how like. It's like the exact opposite of Ted Lasso. You know, like, Ted Lasso is like a feel-good... I mean, this season, there weren't some particularly happy moments, but there were, it's supposed to make you feel better. It's kind of like a kindness porn type show. Whereas Squid Game is like the exact opposite of that. Like, it makes you feel kind of crappy, honestly. And um, I recommend it. I really do. If you haven't watched it, I recommend it. Michael Edgley um, said he wants to talk about it next week. By the way, I don't think I've even mentioned this at any point during the episode so far. We are planning on doing a roundtable next week uh, to preview the NBA season. I haven't even mentioned the NBA on this whole episode at all yet. I mean, the NBA starts in less than a week. Let's go. Let's go. Actually, that reminds me of something I should talk about with the NBA, and that would be Kyrie Irving. How did I not write down Kyrie Irving? I, I have to talk about Kyrie Irving. So this will be the last thing I talk about on today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Kyrie Irving is a clown, and I am glad the Nets are like, we're not going to put up with this anymore. We're tired of your crap. Unless you can be a full participant, unless you get the freaking vaccine, you can't be on our team. You can't play with us. You can't practice with us. I actually applaud the Brooklyn Nets for putting their foot down. I thought they were going to let Kyrie walk all over them. And the Brooklyn Nets put their foot down like, we are not tolerating this crap. As somebody who hates the Nets, I can't stand the Brooklyn Nets. I'm Knicks all day. I'll always be Knicks all day. Bravo to the Nets for that. I'll give them credit for that. And I hope Kyrie, like I said this on last week's episode, I hope Kyrie gets the vaccine. Andrew Wiggins got the vaccine. Uh, why can't Kyrie? So he's saying now that he, he feels like a lot of people, he, it's not fair that they're losing their jobs due to the COVID-19 mandates and things like that. I mean, you're about to lose your job if you don't get the COVID-19 vaccine, Kyrie Irving. So you should probably get on that and get the vaccine. I mean, how, how can the Nets possibly put up with this? How? How, how? how can his teammates look him in the eye after this? He put his own selfish self-interest before the betterment of their team. Thank God the Knicks are 100% vaccinated. That's all I got to say. Thank God the Knicks are 100% vaccinated. We don't have this type of drama at Madison Square Garden. We only care about winning. Ugh. But yeah, uh, I am really excited for the NBA to come back. Sounds like Ben Simmons is also coming back to Philly, um, which is, I guess, good for the Sixers. I don't think Ben Simmons is a very good player, so 
I guess it's good for the Sixers, but I, I don't think Ben Simmons is a very good player overall. Um, I know I'm doing this all kind of out of order, but uh, I, I guess they just couldn't find anybody to trade him, which with good reason. I mean, we saw Ben Simmons in the playoffs. We saw how tentative and hesitant, and it just wasn't good. He's not a he's, he's not an NBA caliber player, Ben Simmons. I, I he just doesn't have it for me, honestly. But uh, we'll see how the Sixers do this season with him. I'm excited to see how the Eastern Conference goes. I really think the Knicks are improved. I'm not going to spoil too much for the preview, but I really think the Knicks are even better than they were last season when they were the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think they're even better. I, I'm really looking forward to this season, guys. I am really, 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 really looking forward to this Knicks season. Um, yeah, I, I don't care about the Giants, really. I don't care about the Rangers. I, I really only care about getting this Knicks season started and underway. So let's go Knicks. I, I, I can't wait for the NBA preview next week with uh, Mike, Tim, and Arun. Uh, hopefully they're all, they're all good to go for next week. And uh, that pretty much does it for today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, like I said, I'm going to add uh, parts about Game 5 of the Giants-Dodgers series a little bit later. Um, to add When that episode's... Well, sorry, excuse me. Well, I can't even speak today. But um, when, that, when that game ends, I'm going to go back and record a quick little post-game recap. And we can get ready for the NLCS and not the ALCS because we do not watch AL baseball in this household. So I would like to remind you to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UFRWVV. Follow me personally on Twitter at bbry1991. Follow me personally on Instagram at bbry1991. I don't know. Venmo me, bbry1991. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, like I said, roundtable next week. Um, NBA preview. Talk a little NFL as well. Um just get you ready for it. Uh, hopefully, you'll have more guests on as well in the future uh, as we enter the baseball void, so to speak. Uh, again, good riddance to Marcus Timms and Phil Nevin. Uh, the first dominoes and what I hope are many dominoes to fall for the Yankees this offseason. Um, yeah, that pretty much does it, guys. Have a good rest of your weekend. I'll talk to you next time.